0: Team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
1: Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Cashman, and this is our weekly look at the Chicago White Sox. I am joined by the fabulous, the fantastic Scott Merkin. Merk, how are you, buddy? Uh, we're in the home stretch here. I thought we'd talk a little bit about the White Sox rotation and how that's shaping up down the stretch and, and really start to look ahead to next season, of course. Um, let's start with the ace, Chris Sale, just because he has now uh, reached 200 strikeouts for the fourth straight season. He is the first White Sox pitcher in history to do so. How did he feel about that particular milestone? I take a wild guess <laughs> how he feels about Uh, trivia and milestones at this stage of the season, given how it's gone, but what was his take on all that?
2: Well, I mean, you know, (laughs) he's happy with what he's accomplished, obviously, and, you know, it's pretty amazing. It's it's one of a kind. He seems to set a new record, you know, every year last year was uh, the single season strikeout total that he topped the late great Ed Walsh over, and uh, this year it's the first guy ever to have four straight 200 strikeout seasons, and he would trade it all in to win, you know, that, that's what he has said. And that's the, he, he's consistent. He doesn't change from, you know, month to month or year to year. He wants to win as does everyone who plays the game, you know, but I mean, he, you know, is happy with what he's done. But as he said yesterday, he'd trade all four seasons in for, four you know, playoff seasons. And that's what he ultimately wants. That's his ultimate goal. And, you know, it's kind of sad. If you look at his second half numbers, they're, they're pretty amazing. He's averaging about point five innings per start. You know, I think he's gone five straight starts where he's had at least eight innings. His ERA is uh, around two, I think it's two, four, nine for 10 starts in the second half. His OPS is under 600 against for the second half. And yet he's one in five and the team is two and eight when he starts. So, you know, that suggests what we've known is that there's a bigger problem than pitching for the White Sox. That needs to be Addressed and fixed in the off-season, if that's the direction they're going to go and try to contend once again, as opposed to going a full rebuild. Now, again, if they go <clears throat> full rebuild, then Chris Sale could end up somewhere else because Chris Sale is by far the biggest chip you have to kind of re, you know, revamp, refurbish a system in in one move. Not that you're going to, you know, fix all the depth issues and everything else. But again, I I, I think I would guess right now they're leaning towards contending again, trying to contend again. And if so, you've got a great, you know, threesome at the top of that uh, rotation. Say, oh, Quintana, Rodan, they just need a little more support over the years. As Jose Quintana can tell you about, you know, there's the, it's no fun to have great pitching and end up with, you know, eight or nine wins as an individual and the same amount as, as a team. You, you need you need greater support. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, and you mentioned Rodan being a part of that, uh, that, that trio at the top of the rotation. He's really uh, – you know, He's confirmed that basically the last month plus. Since the start of August, he has a 1.85 ERA. doesn't get a whole lot of attention just because of where the White Sox are, but uh, significant step forward for that young man. And uh, You look at it just his usual, patterns. he's using the changeup a lot more, and he's been very successful with it. It seems like that is uh, the maturation of a young pitcher. The White Sox
2: have a lot of belief. Yeah, you know, the changeup, everyone said, would be a key pitch for him developing along with, you know, fastball that can that has has got up to 100 miles an hour at points this year, and a slider, which, you know, already I, I don't want to be too extreme and say it's one of the best in the game, but it certainly is a, a wipeout pitch that's hard to handle for for most hitters. I, I think also just, and we talked about this either on the last podcast or the one before that, that there was just kind of a fed-up factor, I think, with him. This is a guy, I remember, who is not used to struggling. And you know, this is all these guys who are top prospects. They're not used to, a lot of times their first – taste of struggling is at the big league level if they get there. And, or when they get there, I should say. And I think it was that, I don't have the exact date, but it was a start against Baltimore in the second half, right after the Twins had beaten him at Target Field. And he didn't pitch great, and he was very frustrated, kind of slammed the chair before he came to talk to us as he stood up. And that first game against Baltimore had a couple uh, blue pits fall in. He had second and third, nobody out, Manny Machado up. Not exactly the best way to start your start. Hit 100 miles an hour, and that strike on Machado struck out the side, and he really has not, to use a cliche, has not looked back since. I mean, he's been, he's been phenomenal, and that's what they're hoping for. Now, remember, he had this same kind of finish last year. He had an uh, an ERA under two for his last, I want to say, eight or nine starts last year, and then you know struggled at the beginning of this season, and then had the injury. So, you know, I think it's again, you have to remember this is his first full year as a starter. And, you know, you, you don't want to keep saying that this is his third full year, this is his sixth full year, but this really is his first full year. He came up last year, pitched a little relief, and then had some success as a starter at, down the stretch. But he's learning. It's a maturation process. And, I, again, I, I think there's there's worse things in baseball than you can have than to build around a nucleus of Sale, Rodon, Quintana, and then you look at a position player like, you know, Tim Anderson and whoever else they decide to keep going forward. You know, the nucleus is there and Rodon is definitely a piece of that. You know, no matter what they do going forward, Carlos Rodon will be part of this team. Well, these guys aren't young guys you build around. I just wanted to touch on briefly uh,
1: the two veterans the White Sox acquired in-season, James Shields and Justin Morneau. It's kind of been two very different stories there. Shields has given up 73 runs on 116 hits and 90 innings with the White Sox. He had a no decision uh, over the weekend, and it was like celebration. <laughs> it wasn't uh, yeah. Uh that didn't completely get away from him against the Royal. Uh Morneau on the other hand, you know, he's been a solid offensive contributor. I, I think he's probably provided some nice leadership in that lineup. He's you know, there's an argument that he's he's given Jose Abreu some protection. Uh just kind of reflecting on those two moves the White Sox made uh in season work and how they've worked out.
2: Well, you know, I think in principle both were good moves. You know, Morneau actually has done, you know, a good part of the job of what they wanted from him. Yeah. He's the left-handed bat that was missing in that lineup, you know, in the middle behind, you know, Melky Cabrera and Frazier and uh, Jose Abreu, and you know that now the question is, does he want to keep playing? Do the Sox have interest in him coming back and so forth and so on? But I think he's done he's done the job and then some from what they were what they were, you know wanted from James Shields. You know, I like the move when they made it. James Shields, you have to remember. When they got him from San Diego, he had gone through the first, you know, whatever it was, month and a half with, like, a three ERA. I mean, literally just a shade over three. I think it was 306. And then had that horrible, horrible last start with San Diego where he just got lit up. So, again, even if you're a scout and you see him make that bad start and you see maybe some peripherals are off a little bit and, he, you know, his stuff is not where it was when he was, you know, six, seven years younger, you still think, well, okay, he's had a pretty good year, again, as a national league, you know, maybe not, not, definitely not the hitters that are across the board in the American League but they didn't want him to be the number one guy. They were looking for kind of a, you know, rotation filler, for lack of a better word. And yeah, you know, maybe a, a, for a better choice of words, a, a good middle of the rotation guy. And it just hasn't been, that's been a miserable run, but there's no way to sugarcoat it. And he knows that, you know, he talked recently about that. He feels he can get back on track and <clears throat> excuse me. He hopes the Sox fans will kind of give him a mulligan and, and let him, you know, get focused in the off season and come back next year you know, the Sox still have him for two more years and I don't think they're going to cut him loose and I don't think there's going to be much interest in him. So I think they're going to, and I say, based on the, you know, the horrible finish he's had with the white Sox this year, especially the propensity for the home run ball and and getting behind hitters overall, and then getting, getting kind of taken deep after that. So it just, it just hasn't worked. You know, they gave up a guy in Eric Johnson who was not a fit moving forward and a, and a young player in Fernando Tatis Jr. Who, as we've talked about before on this podcast could be a perennial all-star may never make the majors. You have no idea. He was 17 years, old when they traded, 17 years old when they traded him and they know, you know, I mean, they, they knew what they needed. They knew what they wanted. at that point they were still pretty much in contention and it just didn't happen. It's been a bad year for Shields and he's going to, you know, get a chance it looks like to try and right the ship in 2017. Last thing, Mark, AJ Pruszynski
1: retired, didn't retire, <laughs> probably lean towards retire. Uh, with the Atlanta Braves over the weekend, they put him on the disabled list after uh, a rare start on Saturday night. Uh, got a big hit in that ball game, and uh, a little wink-wink there after, after the fact. Certainly seemed like he was retired. But um, you, of course, go back a long ways with A.J. The White Sox do, and there's a guy who has always been pointed to as a potential uh, managerial candidate uh, on the south side down the road. Who knows what the future holds there, but what were your thoughts on, on the way A.J. went
2: out? Yeah, it, it is. I, I don't know about you, Anthony, but I don't remember too many guys getting put on the disabled list in September after rosters uh, expand. <laughs> that was kind of a weird move, wasn't it? A, or a different sort of move there. But, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a great guy to cover. He's a challenging guy to cover in terms of the fact that, you know, he, he knows baseball. Smart guy, irreverent humor, and, you know, was part of, you know, probably the greatest team in White Sox history in 2005. And they definitely don't win that title that year without A.J. Praczynski. You know, i had a couple people suggest to me that if they parted ways with Robin after this year, that AJ Przinski could be the next manager of the White Sox. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think if, if Robin is not coming back, and you know, after the 2016 season, they're going to go with someone with a little more, you know, if if not managerial experience, coaching experience at the very least. And I know, you know, AJ and uh, Jerry, Jerry Reinsdorf have a good relate, good working relationship, good friendship. I just, uh, I, I think he, it would be interesting. He certainly would create attention when he across baseball as a manager and he knows how to win and he, he wants to win all the time. And that that's one of his key traits, I think, as a player. And look at his numbers over the years, too. He's accomplished quite a bit at a at a, a tough position. 18 years, I want to say, in the majors and okay. top 10 in innings, caught all time. And he's just, just, just a, a great career. But I don't think that you'll be hearing his name as the 2017 White Sox manager. Now, I think you will be hearing, if this is what the path he chooses to go, and if he really is retiring, I think broadcasting definitely is in the future. I, I know I've watched him in the past couple postseasons where he's worked, and he's been outstanding. So it's just a question of, you know, would it be national, local, or where it would end up with AJ? I think that would probably be his, his his next move would be broadcasting.
1: All right. There's the latest from Scott Merkin. I want to thank him for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra, the Chicago White
0: Sox edition.